It's so good to see you all today here on Zoom. Well, even though we're meeting on Zoom, I don't want us to feel distant. I don't want us to feel apart. I don't want you to feel like you're just sitting there. Um, one thing that really encourages me is that when you guys get into the Word as well. So make sure if, you're, if, you're, if I, something resonates with you, uh, if you're feeling something, if God's moving where you are, can you like send some emojis to me? wave around, give me some thumbs up, clap in the air or something like that, because uh, it's encouraging to me just as much as I bring the word to you and encourage you in the word. Speaking of which, are you ready for the word today? Um, I'm pumped about uh, this word that I'm bringing. Uh, God's put it on my heart uh, and I've been diving deep in, into it over the last couple of weeks uh, as I've been preparing um, and I'm, I'm pumped to share it with you this morning. Uh, so I hope it encourages you. Are you guys ready? Are you guys, show me that you're ready. Thumbs up, wave in the air, give me some claps, something, let's be engaged. This is Downpour Church and even though we're meeting on Zoom, you know, uh, we don't have to feel distant. Get engaged, be part of it um, and, and we're going to have a great time. So today I want to read out of John chapter 19, verse 34. And it says, One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. Why don't we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you hey, that your presence is here. I thank you that your presence is in the room, but it's also in the room of every single person that's joining here today, that there is no distance in the kingdom. Lord, I pray, let your word be spoken. Let it not return void, but let it penetrate into our spirits today, Heavenly Father, Lord. Give me the words that you want to share today with your people to encourage each other, to lift each other up and to spur each other on. Heavenly Father, Lord, have your way today. And we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I'm believing that you guys are saying amen exactly where you are today. Um, well, I want to ask you this question as we're starting off. Have you ever said something along these lines? I want you to be brutally honest. You don't have to share it in the chat, don't worry. But I want you to reflect on, on, on what your past experiences have been and whether you've ever uttered something along these lines. It doesn't have to be exact. But maybe have you ever said, I'm never ever going to do that again because the last time I did it, it I got hurt. Or I'm never going to talk to that person again because last time they were mean to me, last time they said this about me behind my back, and so I don't want anything, I don't want to associate with them any longer. I'm going to keep my distance. Something along those lines. You know, maybe you've said that, maybe you've even felt that, but not verbalized it. I know I have. You, there's, there's things in my life where I've, I've had regrets that, and, and bad experiences in, in, in life, and I've, I've gone, no, I'm never again. Never again will I ever do that. And I'm not saying it's always a bad thing. You know, the, it, God's given us uh, um, a survival mechanism where if you jump off a cliff into the water and you hurt your knee or something like that, then you go, oh, I'm never jumping off a cliff again because last time I hurt myself. That's normal. That's fine. But there's experiences that happen in our lives that actually hold us back from the things of God. And so, you know, I've done it, you've done it, we've all done it. Um, and so I want to dive deep into where does this come from? Where, what, what is this in our lives where we say these things and we have these regrets? Um, 
And it all comes, you know, it was there from the beginning of time. It, uh, it all stems, when you dive into it, from some small little sin. And so we're going to dive into that this morning. We're going to explore that. Um, and so what I want to do is I actually want to read uh, from Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 12. So we're going to go back. We're going to examine right from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, um, because believe it or not, they had some things very similar to that. So Genesis chapter 3, starting off in verse 4. It says, You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and it looked, and the fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of that fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and then suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man and he said, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. God replies, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, It was the woman who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Did you pick up on it? Did you see all the various little things in there? Let's go through it. Uh, So in verse 6, it says that the woman was convinced. She was convinced that the fruit looked good, that it was beautiful, um, that she needed to eat of it. And so... If you delve down deep into that, what is that? If she was convinced by the serpent, not by what God had said, that's unbelief. It's unbelief in what God had told her was right and what was wrong. Um, Furthermore, she said uh, she wanted the wisdom that it would give her, that selfishness. Selfishness, selfish to go out and obtain wisdom outside of what God had said was good and bad and how they would achieve wisdom in a godly way. In verse 7, it says they felt shame and they hid from the Lord. So what is shame and guilt is it can lead to grief uh, down the line. In verse 12, it says the woman, uh, Adam blames the woman and it says it was the woman who gave me the fruit. And so what's that? It's a fence. So what are, the, what are these four things? Selfishness, grief, offense, and unbelief. Does it ring any bells? They're the four things that Pastor Alwyn said hold the church back from achieving their mission. If you go back to his encounter, the sermon that he preached in I Went to Heaven, those are the four things that Jesus told Pastor Alwyn would hold the church back. Now, that may be on a bigger scale, but each of us, the church is each of us. It's each of us individually. And so individually, we can, if we're not united, these things that hold us back, um, that stop us from achieving a mission, that stop us from moving forward, ultimately come down to these four things. But then Jesus, uh, or Pastor Alwyn shared that Jesus in heaven beautifies the churches that didn't achieve their mission. He beautifies the churches that didn't achieve their goal. 
So what, what is beautifying? If, you, if, you, if we look into that, beautifying essentially is a form of redemption. There was a price, there was a goal, there was a vision that was set, and ultimately the church fell short because of these four things. And so Jesus redeems that. He brings uh, the cost up to level. He pays that and he beautifies it in and of itself. You know, um, he bridges the gap there. And so I think of, you know, as an example, when we're talking about redemption, I think of like a pizza voucher. You know, Domino's comes around and each week they put a, they put a, a voucher in my letterbox and it says, you know, buy two pizzas, get one free buy three pizzas and get a free garlic bread or something like that. There's a voucher. And so what I do is I take that voucher to Domino's and I say, here is the voucher. I want to redeem it. I want to redeem it. It, pays, it equals out the cost so that the pizzas are paid for um, and I get to eat them. And so that's, what I, you know, that's an element of redemption. And redemption is essentially like a legalistic term that there is a cost and a price to pay. And to redeem it means to pay that cost to pay it off, to make it all equal. So that's what redemption is. But so often we can think of what Jesus came to do was simply to redeem. That he died on the cross just to redeem us from our sins. That uh, his shedding of blood was the thing that he did on, on the cross to get us into heaven. But I believe that there is so much more than what Jesus did on the cross just to get us into heaven. That is absolutely a part of it. Is, is his cross, uh, what he did on the cross by dying, by fulfilling the law, absolutely covers our sin and it does get us to heaven. But there is so much more to that part of the story than often we uh, uh, think of. So I want to read out of Galatians chapter 4, verses 4, to, uh, four and 5. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we may receive adoption as sons. So he paid the price. He covered us, uh, covered our sins so that we may be received, that we may be right in the eyes of God so that we can be in the presence of God uh, without dying. You know, it's scary to think uh, back in the Old Testament, if you were unpure and you came into the temple, into the holy of holies, that you would die because of the sin that was on your life. But Jesus has paid that so we can now enter into the throne room for ourselves. Um, so, um, but God, Jesus has always been in the job of turning chaos into order. That sin entered the world through Adam, but it was taken out of the world and paid for by Jesus. Even from the beginning, um, when the earth was created. In Genesis, it says that the earth was formless and void, or some translations will say wild and waste. And God brings order, order to the earth, and he makes creation. He makes Adam and Eve, makes all the birds, all the trees, everything that we see, God created. He turned from wild and waste, or formless and void, into order. So he made things. Um, even still to this day, in Romans 8, 28, he says that, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So he turns everything that goes wrong in our lives and he turns it all for good. I think of all the mistakes that I've made and, and things that I've done and somehow, some way God redeems it, that he changes it, he orders it 
and it eventually grows me or some way, somehow, God turns it for good. So even in that, even in our lives, even in your lives, God is at work and Jesus is at work in turning the things that you do, that where you might have missed the mark, He turns it all for good. Can you guys give God some praise for that this morning? Isn't it good that no matter uh, how, how we are acting, how we do, somehow, some way, Jesus is turning it all for good. And so in Galatians, it says that He came to redeem us from the law. So what, what does that actually mean? I mean, this is a hotly contested debate on what is, what is the law and how does that work and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not going to dive too deep. I'm not going to form a division within Downpour Church or anything like that. I'm going to keep it very, very simple. Um, so basically what the law is, is it shows us um, the sin in our life. It's like a mirror and it holds, holds a mirror up in front of our lives and we can go, oh, yes, I've fallen short here. Yes, I've done that. Yes, um, that is wrong and I treated that person wrong and I didn't do this and I didn't do that. It shows us, it reveals to us all those things. And in the Old Testament, they had to do and act and give sacrifices and all of that to make it right, to redeem their sin. Um, That's what they had to do in the Old Testament. But for us, the beauty of it is, is Jesus has paid that price. So... Uh, In Matthew, it says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. What was the purpose of the law? Is to uh, show us where the sin is in our lives, but then also show us how we redeem it, how we can make things right, how we can sanctify ourselves, how we can uh, be ceremonial ceremonially ceremonially pure so that we can enter into the presence of God. But Jesus did that. He never said, I'm, I'm taking away the law. That is still there to show you where uh, things aren't quite right in your life, but I've covered it. I've paid the price. Um, in, the, in the law, it, it gives a price, that sacrifice that you have to make. The act that you have to do. And it's all summed up. Everything, so Jesus paid the price um, for us so that we're no longer condemned, that death is no longer the result of that. Um, but we still have to somewhat abide by the law. I'm not going to go into which ones, but Jesus said to summarize it, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So we still have to do those things. We still have to act them out. But Jesus has paid the cost for where we go wrong. So if he, his death came to fulfill the purpose in taking away of the sins and making us right to God, why is it sometimes that we still struggle with grief, offense, selfishness, and unbelief? You know, I believe that Christians who struggle with these things are still going to heaven. The debt has still been paid. We're still okay. We're still right with God. We're, God still calls you son. He still calls you daughter. He still loves you dearly. I don't believe that it ever comes into question. But why is it that sometimes we sit in this place of offense that we will never do that again because last time somebody offended me or we'll never do that again. I'll never serve at church again because last time a leader abused that or I don't know what that situation is in your life, but I feel there's some Christians, there's some people who still sit in that place, even though that sin has been taken care of. Whatever happened at the time that caused you to be in that place, it's already been paid for. 
But sometimes we still have this place where we hold back, where we don't take a forward step, where we're not taking things for the kingdom, where we're not living in our purpose and we're not living in our calling. You know, uh, and it brings me back to John chapter 19 that I read at the start. It said, one of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. Now, this is a thing that God revealed to me as I was studying. For some reason, I just kind of skim over the water part. We all think about the blood that was shed for us to cover our sins. But what is this water? What is the water that flows out? Um, But Jesus has spoken about the water before. You know, we can explain it scientifically that when in crucifixion, there's so much pressure on the body. um, And when there's pressure on the body, that the blood and the water... Uh, separate and so there's a there's a red component and a clear component and we can try to explain it all and put it all down to oh it's just science but I don't believe that this is just science that it's just something to skim over whenever something's written in the Bible there's usually a reason and there's a purpose Jesus spoke about the living water in which he will give in John chapter 4 verse 14 it said but those who drink the water I, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Living water, the living water that was shed for you, the living water that Jesus gives to you is the other part of what Jesus did on the cross. Yes, he covered our sin, but he also gives us living water. What for? eternal life that eternal life doesn't just come on the other side of heaven that eternal life comes from the moment that you accept Jesus into your life that living water is readily accessible to you right now and the living water gives you life right now you don't have to sit in a place of offense a place of grief you don't have to sit in the place of I've been saved my sins have been taken away and I don't have to do anything from here because I've been redeemed Jesus has covered the cost he's paid the cost I'm going to heaven Jesus came yes to do that but he gave you eternal life right now he gave you life to live he gave you a calling he gives you a purpose that it's not just a place of get me to heaven give me my ticket to heaven and all that is accomplished i don't have to do anything else he gave to give you or he died to give you life just as much as he died to bring you and to get you into heaven see living water is an invitation it's an invitation to live in the presence of God, to be filled with the living water yourself, to live out a purposeful life. It's, it's an invitation to freedom. So often we wonder why we feel bound, why we feel purposeless as Christians. We don't know what direction to head in our lives. Maybe it's something like this, where there's chains of guilt, there's chains of selfishness, there's chains of offense, that are tying you down and weighing you down. And maybe that's because you haven't allowed the living water to penetrate into that situation so that you can live a life of freedom and of purpose and of 
you know, winning people to the Lord, of going out and taking ground for the kingdom, but instead these things hold you back and make you sit still and make you feel lesser than, so you don't do anything. But it's all good because I've been redeemed and I'm going to heaven. I don't think that's why Jesus came is to just get us our ticket to heaven. He poured out the living water um, so that we may have life. It says in Revelation chapter 7, verses 16 and 17, it says, They will never again be hungry or thirsty. Who would love to never be hungry or thirsty again? They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun, for the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know, I don't know about you, but whenever I get thirsty and hungry, I'm not always the greatest person to be around. I'm a hangry type person. That if, if I'm hungry, my temper can, can sometimes start coming up, that I can get a little bit short, that I'm not exactly the most loving, kind person. If you think about it, hunger and thirst is on the continuum towards death. Hunger and thirst is a continuum. It's, you're taking, you're on that way towards death. That if you don't eat, if you don't drink, eventually you're going to end up in a place of death. Now, God said that they will never be hungry and thirsty. Why? Because he leads them to springs of life-giving water. So um, the unbelief, the offense, the hurt, the guilt, the grief, all of those things, all sin ultimately leads to death. But in the Bible, it tells me that, yes, those things lead to death, but that's being paid for. And I'm giving you springs of living water so that you don't have to go down that way again. It even says right here, right at the end in verse chapter, uh, verse 17, verse chapter 17, that'd be a funny one. Verse 17 and God will wipe away every tear from your eye. So every hurt, everything that's hurt you, whether it's a person, whether it's a situation, whether it's an offense that you hold, it, the, the living water, by living water, God is going to wipe away every tear so that you don't have to sit in that place of offense. This is all accessible to us now, that we don't have to live in that place where we're not doing things for the glory of God, that we're not walking in our calling um, and taking ground for the kingdom because Jesus died on the cross. He redeemed us, but he gave us living water, living water poured out. You know, I was just talking about calling and purpose and, and that's the other side to Jesus' death on the cross. And it makes me think about, you know, when we pray uh, the Lord's Prayer. There's a part of it that says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth here as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Now, the question that begs is, how does that come about? Is it by God purely using his miracles and his power to bring about earth, uh, heaven here on earth. Yes, there is a part of it and it's coming. But until then, we've actually been called, all of us, every single person, every single Christian has been called to be a part of bringing heaven here on earth. Because if we fill ourselves with 
living water, if we love God and serve God, but also love our neighbor, what is that that's bringing about heaven here on earth. It's a little slice of heaven that when we're walking in our purpose and in our calling as God would have us do, it's a little glimpse into heaven. So if every, every Christian is acting out and living out their purpose according to their calling because we're all drinking from the well of living water, we are bringing about heaven here on earth. God's never been about uh, doing everything himself. Even from the beginning of time, when he created Adam and Eve, um, he created them to rule, he created humans to rule and to reign over this earth. So he created us to be a part of what he wants to do here on earth. And so if we're sitting in a place of offense, and saying, I'm never going to serve again, I'm never going to give again, I'm never going to talk to someone, I'm never going to pray for someone again, and we sit in that place, what we're doing is we're holding back heaven. We've each been commissioned to bring about heaven here on earth by walking in our calling, by drinking this living water. But sometimes that's easier said than done. I'll admit it. Sometimes hurt hurts, and it's hard to let go of that. It's hard to let go of of the situation and the things that happen, whether it's abuse, whether it's, it's just unkind words, whether it was mean words, whether someone said something mean to you. It's hard to let that go sometimes. I acknowledge that. I felt it. And that's where I think we need to go an extra step further. Pastor Owen's been sharing about body, mind, and spirit and how the three kind of work together, but then the Bible says that it's not body, mind, and then spirit. It's actually spirit, mind, and then body. So these things, you know, Jesus even said to love your enemy. That's craziness. If you think about it, think of the person who's hurt you the most, who's been the meanest to you, who's abused you the most, Jesus said to love them. That's crazy, crazy, crazy. I could, it, it's so hard to imagine that. So we have to let, not this, this word can't just sit in our minds because often if it just sits in our minds, that's where we, we're still in a place of, of stuck. That, oh, I've forgiven that person in my mind, but I still can't speak to them. I've made it okay in my mind of that situation, I've moved on, but I'll never think about it again. I'll never walk into that situation again, so it's all okay. But ultimately, it still prevents us from moving forwards because in our minds, it's all good. In our minds, we've rectified it, it's okay, but we're still not moving forward, so we have to let this penetrate our spirits. And there's only one way that we can do that. And that's to let Jesus come into that place and allow living water to flow into that situation. To let living water flow into that. The sin has already been taken care of. Jesus has already redeemed that sin. The sin is no longer an issue. But are you able to live in that situation again? Are you able to talk to that person again? Are you able to serve again? Are you able to give again? Whatever that situation is, are you able to do it again? because you've allowed the living water to penetrate into that so that you can live 
in those situations that you can live according to the purpose that God's called you to? In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. His purpose was to steal our joy, to steal our security, to kill that relationship, to kill that opportunity, to steal your progress away from you, to steal your calling away from you, to steal your identity away from you. But it goes on to say that I, my purpose is to give life and life abundantly, but I love what the New Living Translation says. It's on the screen in front of you. It says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. That is what living water does, is gives you a, a rich and satisfying life. He's taken away the sin. He's given you living water so that you can have a rich and satisfying life, that you don't have to feel that offense. You don't have to feel that hurt anymore, because I don't know about you, but I don't find that satisfying. I don't find that nervousness, that scaredness, that fear satisfying. I don't find it enriching. Jesus came to give rich and satisfying life. Coming back to my example of the pizza voucher. Could you imagine taking your voucher to Domino's or Pizza Hut or wherever your favorite pizza place is? You give them the voucher and say, here, it's redeemed the cost of this pizza. You grab the pizza and you take it home and you put it on the table and you don't eat it. That's what redemption is without the life-giving water. I don't know about you, but it, it, the richness and the satisfaction of digging into a pizza when I'm hungry, that's what life is about. Is, is, I'm, and I'm not saying just having great pizza, but I'm saying a rich and satisfying life that when we just live in a place of redemption, that Jesus has given me my ticket to heaven, Holla, all good. I've got my ticket. I'm ready to go, but I'm not going to walk in my calling and my purpose now. I'm not going to live a rich and a satisfying life. What we're doing is we're putting that pizza on the table and we leave it there. And it comes in the way of us living that rich and satisfying life. It comes in the way of, you know, quite often we talk about how people need a purpose. And without purpose, we feel empty and we don't know, we don't have direction, we don't know what we're doing. When we walk in that purpose that Jesus has given you, filled with the living water, that's when we have a rich and satisfying life. You know, as a personal example, to bring it all back together, to make it all cohesive uh, and, and, and applicable. When I was 10, no, when I was 11 actually, at the end of a soccer season, we had uh, a presentation night where we gave trophies out and things like that. And I was the captain of the team at the time. And I had to present a trophy of appreciation to the coach to say thank you to the coach for everything that you did for us through the season. And I got up and I said a few words and I kind of mumbled and stumbled and, and it was a little bit embarrassing. I felt my cheeks go red hot 
and sweat start pouring down my face and, and it was a bit of a shambles and a bit of a mess. I said, thank you, but I don't know what else I said. I kind of stumbled around um, and then people started laughing because I, I couldn't get my words out. I couldn't make any sense um, and, and it was embarrassing. And so I sat down and I had this thought like never again will I ever get up in front of a group of people and speak. But what if I had sat in that place? What if I had stayed in that place where never again am I ever going to get up and talk in front of people because last time I did that, people laughed at me. I wouldn't be here right now walking in my calling and walking in my purpose to share the word of God with you today if I sat in that place. And there's so many situations. I know that each of us have these different things in our life where we say, never again will I. But is it holding you back from the things that God has called you to? Maybe it is. Maybe that's exactly where God's calling you to. Is the thing that hurt you, the person that said that thing, maybe God is calling, like that's part of bringing heaven here to earth is, is going back and saying, no, I will uh, love that enemy. I will say sorry to that person. I will serve wholeheartedly again. I will give with everything I've got. I will do whatever it is and not walking or holding back from that purpose that God has called you to. That purpose in bringing, I mean, just think about being, what, what an opportunity it is to be part of bringing heaven here on earth, that you get to be a part of it. I get to be a part of it. That God's going to use us and work through us to achieve that before he comes in power and glory, which he will. But until that day, we are part of living in a, a life that is rich and full of satisfac satisfaction because of the living water that was poured out on the cross, that there is so much more than just a ticket to heaven. But God's called us to life and life abundant. Why don't we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for everything that you did on the cross. We thank you for the blood that was poured out, that it covered our sins. But Lord, I also thank you for the water that came with the blood, the living water that was poured out so that we may have a rich and satisf uh, satisfactory life, that we may live full of life. The water that you give fills us with life. And Lord, I thank you that we get to be a part of living out our calling and living out our purpose in bringing a peace, a glimpse of heaven here on earth. Lord, I pray for each and every person who hears this word today, Heavenly Father, Lord, let it penetrate into their spirit. Let it not be a mindset. Let it not be a mind concept. Not Let it be even words to the ears, Heavenly Father, but let it penetrate our spirit so that we can love our enemies, that we can forgive those who've hurt us, that, that we can um, continue to move forward in our purpose and in our calling and not be held back. Let us not be stopped in our calling and our walk, Heavenly Father, Lord, because we've allowed the living water to penetrate our lives. Lord, I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the praise in the name of Jesus and 
Downpour Church all said amen and amen.